You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. And I think what this synthetic experience uh, uh, exercise does is help you get some of that uh, instinct for this um, uh, sort of backwards. Um, and it is something that at least a handful of the most effective copywriters I know have done. Uh, it, it isn't a whole hell of a lot of fun, uh, and it's very time-consuming. Um, and I guess today we would say it probably causes carpal tunnel. Um, I don't think anybody was talking about carpal tunnel when I was doing it, but um, of course we had carbon paper. Um, you know, we actually used to hand out carbon paper in seminars and collect everybody's notes at the end of the day and carbon copies of their notes and check their notes. I don't even know if you can get carbon paper. Can you? I don't know. Um, but um, you know, today we'd have to download your discs. Um, but uh, I recommend this exercise to you, um, and um, uh, I believe in it. And and very few people will have the discipline to do it. Uh, but if you really want to get good at this, uh, it's an exercise worth doing. Uh, quickly mention some other things about copywriting for you that we skipped over. If you want to try and find in your white book, you can. Um, it's kind of where we left off. We left off at psycho-cybernetics, mental training techniques, and the next, when we jumped out of there, and the next slide was methods. It's in about him. Um, Shortcuts for speed is the next page you would come to. Boy, you got to it right away. You, there you go. Good for you. Um, just, I, I'm going to try and be as quick as I can. But this is some of the stuff that, again, you, you may want to do to shortcut your process. Uh, Michael talked about last night about his headline method, which is when he, when he finds one in an inquirer or a magazine or wherever he finds one that he likes, he puts it on a 3 by 5 card. Uh, it's, it's a method I used to use. Um, and um, another way to use three by five cards is um, if you, when you start to write, before you sit down to write your piece, is the list of things we talked about earlier that you ought to know before you start. Like, what are the elements of the offer? What are all the benefits? What are all the questions and objections that we're going to handle? All those things. You, you write each one of those on a three by five card. Um, uh, 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 different colors, so pink for objections, white for benefits, yellow for promises, blue for offer elements, etc. Uh, and you got one thing on each card. And now you can shuffle. You can sit there and rearrange that until you have it in the order in which you intend to cover it in the sales letter. And now you just sit down and write based on your stack of cards. You've created an outline. It's, it, it's a quick, painless way to create an outline. Um, storyboard, if you don't know what that is, um, uh, Mike Vance, who was at our super conference, talked a little bit about it. And if you have Vance's tapes and books, you'll read about it a lot. If you don't have any of Vance's stuff, uh, start with a book called um, Think Outside the Box um, and, a set of tape and a set of tapes called Adventures in Creative Thinking. Uh, storyboarding is sort of like taking that 3 by 5 card stack I just talked about and making it visual up on a wall. So you can see everything at one time and you can still play the rearrange game. Uh, it, it's, it comes from the entertainment industry, from the movie business. 
and it is still how a lot of guys in the infomercial business will create an infomercial script is again with little cards in different colors we'll get all the objections all the benefits all the promises all the claims and then there on each storyboard there's a vertical column for there's a vertical column for claims there's a vertical column for objections there's a vertical column for problems there's a vertical column for questions and answers and with thumbtacks on corkboard you can rearrange all that stuff until you have it in the exact order in which you want it um, and so it, it, it's a creative thinking device it's an efficiency device it's a flexibility device um, I use a notebook like that, sort of a storyboard in a notebook so I can work on an airplane. Those of you that can dictate um, something I have not been able to teach myself, uh, but for many people it's easier to talk than it is to write. And if it is easier for you to talk than it is to write, by all means talk. Um, you know, you can hire transcriptionists for a lot less money than you can pay you. So uh, talk it, hand it off, and let somebody transcribe it. If that works better for you, yeah, Joe. You're saying it's easier for you to write or communicate with Yeah, I I have not been able to teach myself to dictate into a machine. Even if I set the machine over here, I've not been able to teach myself to dictate. I've tried it several times over the years. And it is so foreign to me. I mean, like anything else, you could, I mean, I could learn it if I was absolutely determined to, to uh, learn it. But for me, the brain engages with pen in hand. Most write um, largely because um, if you took maybe the 25 or 30 top echelon copywriters in the country, who would be in or above my compensation league. Probably almost all of them are 40 years old and above, and most of them are 50 years old and above. And so uh, most of them aren't using laptops, let alone dictating machines. Most of them are using legal pads. And um, if you've been around Halbert, you know, now he's lately become computer, uh, uh, you know, yeah, and, um, and chances are if you took it away from him and stuck a, dic uh, a handheld recorder in his hand or forced him to sit in front of a, com a computer, it would equate to writer's block. Um, so um, some of that is just age, you know, it's, it's the way you've been conditioned to do it and so therefore it's almost Pavlovian, you know. I mean, I got to have a legal pad and two different color pens and some file cards, or I, can, you know, I, I don't go to work. Um, but there are people, and in many respects, I envy them, who are the exact opposite. You hand them a legal pad and they freeze, but let them talk, and they can spew it out. And uh, there's no one right method, but I, I almost envy that because obviously it's more efficient. I mean, it's faster to dictate than it is to write, and it's faster to dictate than it is to type, especially if you type like I type, which is with one hand. Um, uh, I touch type right-handed only. I learned that as a kid because I drink a lot of iced tea, and I always had a glass of iced tea in my hand. <laughs> well, this is, think how stupid this is, but it shows you how, how conditioning is. The typewriter table I had when I was a kid in my dad's office was one of the metal things, you know, with two doohickeys on the side. Well, the doohickey on this side, the hinges broke. So you couldn't sit nothing on it. So, and I always have a glass of iced tea, and so I'm more right-handed than I am left-handed. 
So I'm typing with my right hand and I'm holding my iced tea because I can't set it there because the hinge is broke. <laughs> and because, it's kind of like Zig's end off the ham story, if you ever heard that song. And so before long, I'm a right-handed, real fast touch typist because the hinge is broke on the left-hand deal and I had to hold my tea. And now all these... No. No. Of course not. No. Look, I'm just as goofy as everybody else, you know, I mean, just, you know, in different ways. And so, so I'm a right-handed touch typist. Um, some people do stream-of-consciousness rough drafts um, where no preparation, no outline, no, no swipe file, no nothing, sit down and write it, and then go back and tweak it. Personally, I do that in the, few, in the product categories where I am, like, where I do, like, a lot of work all the time. Um, if it's stuff I don't do a lot of work with all the time, then I've got to use some of these other processes. Um, uh, You've got to find the right combination of these things for you. And they may be different than those that are right for somebody else. So by all means, experiment um, to uh, find them. Uh, the other shortcuts, I lost a slide, here we go. Um, some of these we talked about, but I would just summarize for you. The best shortcuts for speed are, first of all, keep rewriting stuff you already got. <laughs> um, uh, don't try and reinvent, but rewrite. Uh, and so the longer you're at it in whatever business you're in, you should build up your own book your own bank of current and previously used, see it, get you in a sec, uh, current and previously used pieces uh, that you can keep recycling and recycling and recycling. And after a period of time, you may never need to go beyond that book. Um, and, and in some cases for clients, what I've done is gone in and created the book. Um, uh, so what might take them a year, I can do in a week. And so here's two or three letters for the 12 primary purpose. You want to fill seminar seats? Here's three letters to fill seminar seats. Here's three letters to sell a continuity program. And they're like fill-in-the-blank letters. So now they can keep recycling that book for a long, long, long time without having any new or original material. And you should get to that point, too, in your business fairly quickly where you are rewriting more than you are creating. TJ, you want to say something? Oh, yeah. And in fact, this is something a lot of copywriters don't talk about, but again, of that 25 or 30 top echelon guys, Probably 70 to 80 percent of them, at least half of the time, uh, use a, I don't say this with disrespect, but use a, a journeyman level copywriter um, to do rough drafts. So a client might go hire X, and X may turn around and use Ralph to deliver a whole package full of rough drafts. And then X goes back and tweaks them because for the very reason that TJ just said. It's infinitely faster to rewrite than it is to write. 
and so that's why I like the transcript. If somebody delivers a pitch, and you can get their and you can get your pitch or their pitch recorded and down on paper, that's the equivalent of a rough draft. Say, now it's like ten times faster for me to take that transcript and turn it into a sales letter than it is to get a sales letter for that same product done from scratch. Even bad stuff. If they got a bank of bad stuff, it's faster to rewrite from the bad stuff than it is to write from scratch. Uh, it's faster to rewrite from swipe files than it is to write from scratch. So anything that gives you a starting point, and the best starting point over time becomes your own previously effective pieces. So like I showed you yesterday, the PowerPoints letters, and large chunks of the PowerPoints letters came from the letters that sold the Ultimate Information Entrepreneur book. I didn't write those letters from scratch. I rewrote the letters that sold the Ultimate Information Entrepreneur book. Consequently, all the PowerPoints letters I showed you yesterday, I did in a day with time left over. And zap, on to the next thing. And you really can't get that proficient. Um, recycle previous controls, same idea. If you've got a control that works, by all means, keep riding a winning horse. Yep. Um, well, the, the question is, how much time do you spend on research versus copy, and what are the shortcuts on research? We talked a little bit about research yesterday. The first shortcut for most people in the room is to write only for their own businesses. So your research curve, there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't need to research because you know it. <laughs> And if you're doing the right ongoing things, you're subscribing to all your competitors, you're on all your competitors' mailing lists, so you're seeing what they're doing, you're reading the right magazines, you are up to the minute on research. You don't have a learning curve. Freelancers, what we all tend to do is wind up doing most of our work in a handful of categories so that we don't take projects that require major learning curves. Um, and, and, and when we do, typically, we've got to charge for it. Uh, you know, like, like right now, um, I have a client, I have four clients, actually, who sell to dentists. Um, I'm doing a piece. The first piece is a sample in the white book. I don't know if we'll get to it or not, but that sold a set of videotapes. You'll find it when you go through all your samples after the seminar. Uh, that sold a set of videos to the dental profession. A very successful piece, by the way, and a very simple piece. Relies on brand identity. The person who sent the letter, who the letter went out for is very well known in dentistry. So it's not a real elaborate sales pitch. It brought in eight to one in dollars. Uh, it's made her about $160,000 in the past 10 months. Um, so, it's, so she's decided it would be a good idea to send a second letter. <laughs> Um, it would have been a good idea to send a second letter like eight months ago. But uh, so now hired to do the second letter. I don't got to do a learning curve on dentistry. I got that. But unfortunately, I don't know her shtick. 
and I was able to do the first letter with no bullet, with nothing about the content of the product. I just sold on her. Now I need product content. They got no outline, they got no transcripts, they got nothing. So they're paying me to sit there and watch eight hours of videotape so that I can create bullet points. I mean, somebody's got to do that, you know? Um, so some of your research curve can be cut by the client if you're a freelancer, if they have any brains. If they don't have brains, then, you know, somebody's got to do all that. Um, uh, in some cases, you can just cheat it. You know, some, like in that case, I was able to do a letter without knowing anything about the product. If you're going to do a guarantee-driven letter, you may not need to know anything about the product. In some cases, uh, the market knowledge may not be that important. You know, the, like if it's a pure greed pitch, you don't need to know that much. Are you selling to dentists or golfers or who cares? It's pure greed. You can say the same things and drop in dentist here and there and get away with it. Um, in some cases, good enough's good enough. You know, uh, that's why for many of you, in your businesses, like particularly if it's a local business, like Bill Glazer, who's here in the retail clothing business, um, um, Bill in Dallas doing his all real estate investments. See, these guys, on a scale of one to 10 as copywriters, if they can be fives, they're gonna get 10 results because they have no competition. There isn't anybody else in Baltimore, in the clothing business, doing anything like Bill's ads. So it's, the, it's in PowerPoints, it's one of my favorite quotes, it's from a copywriter, John Francis Tighe. John says, in, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And it's, it's profound, you know, and so one great way to, to make a lot of money is go find the land of the blind, you know, where, where you at least got one eye. Uh, you know, and you're going to get great. Now, if you're going to go out there, though, and sell a health newsletter to the great unwashed masses, and you're going to compete with Rodale, you know, really sophisticated marketers who are hiring, who are using the best and the brightest guys in the country, you're not going to get away with that level of competence. So different places require different amounts of competence, different amounts of research, different amounts of knowledge. Um, Build and use a cut, flip flop stuff back and forth. Like Mike talked about last night, you got an ad that works, turn it into a letter. You got a letter that works, turn it into an ad. You got an ad that works, turn it into a postcard. You got a postcard that works, flip it back into an ad. Keep taking the same copy and simply changing the media you deliver it in. That's obviously a shortcut because you don't have to write copy. Um, here's how to test it. <clears throat> Uh, a couple of quick, dirty things to do to test copy. I don't know where that page is. I've lost it. Oh, it's a couple pages over. Um, <clears throat> first thing you want to do is read it out loud. Um, that will reveal a lot of flaws in a hurry. If it doesn't read well when you read it out loud, it doesn't read well in the person's head when they're reading it. So this is real simple. If you want to do this even better, read it out loud, full oratory, like, you know, you're Shakespearean. I mean, give it your best shot and tape that. And then listen to the tape back with the letter in front of you as you listen to the tape. The flaws, the places where you stumble, will be readily apparent. And those are edges you want to smooth out. 
uh, you'll have them most if you are a real cut and paster. If the way you're doing your copy right now is literally snipping and pasting. If you're taking a paragraph from here and a thing from here and you're stitching it together, the two flaws in that is you're going to have bumpy points, which this will reveal, and it won't have a distinctive personality of your own. That takes a little more work. Uh, yeah, what? If you can think that way, if you can talk it for, if you can talk for transcription, if you can dictate, uh, you have very few people speak with perfect grammar. So your transcript will be conversational. Now, if you can discipline yourself not to fix it, uh, uh, then that may be helpful to you. You know, the, in 90% of the cases, the worst thing you can do with direct response copy is make it English class perfect. Uh, it ought to be the way we talk. Um, have someone else read it out loud. Because you're familiar with it. So you may miss bumps that somebody else would hit. So have somebody who's never seen it before read it out loud. And watch for the rough spots. Have a kid read it. Keep in mind, 7th, 8th grade level is where we ought to be at. Uh, not much better than that. Uh, and that's getting worse by the minute. Um, I figure, see, the, the problem with all these computers you guys got is in another five years, we're going to have to be sending our sales letters out like they're doing the signs now. They're going to have to be little pictures. And you're going to have to draw them with a crayon, you know, because they're not going to be able to read them at all. I mean, that's about where we're headed. Uh, but you definitely want any word that a kid don't know, you don't want in there. Um, the problem with these kid helpers, because for a while I used our daughter, Jennifer, but they grow up. <laughs> you know? Which is, you know, unless you set up a schedule and like a couple of you in here do it and keep having them on a regular <laughs> so that when one gets too old, the next one's ready. But, you know, that has its own problems. Um, you know, now you got, the other option is, of course, you've got to go find somebody else's kid who's the right age. Uh, good news is you generally can get this help pretty cheap. Um, uh, try it out on peers and associates, people in your office, people you work with, but be careful. Because um, they will be, they have a tendency to be critical for the wrong reasons. You know, they'll be more analytical than the customer would. Try it out on other competent copywriters, but be careful of that, too. Because... <clears throat> We tend to have egos, and so we'll fix stuff that I, I fight hard when I do critiques, and sometimes people are disappointed with me that they get, you know, that the critique they get back from me is basically, you leave it all alone. Well, there's all kinds of stuff I could go in there and mess with that I, that I would do differently, but th that doesn't mean that it needs to be done my way. But if you're not careful and you get a pro critiquing this stuff, uh, they're going to force not only uh, a good methodology on it, but they're going to force their particular stylistic preferences on it. So this input is useful, but you've you got to sift it. Yep.
Yes. Your question is, if you use a bunch of different freelancers, yeah, you've either got to then take their stuff and do a final write. Uh, if you have a stable of people who are writing for you, you or someone on your staff has got to do the final draft and bring it back into one voice. Or you've got to be fortunate enough to find one or two or three people who can master your voice. See, again, it's one thing to do the mechanics right, but it's another thing, like I do a fair amount of ghost writing, which is a whole, you know, write a book, write a tape program for somebody. And um, uh, you've got to, and I write not only for, ghost write not for not only males, but females, which is even harder uh, for me, because uh, I'm not one. And... Um, and my actual understanding of them is nil. So, um, but you got, you got to get their voice, you know. And so if you're going to write copy for Joan Rivers, it's got to sound like Joan Rivers. It, so mechanic, having it mechanically competent is like square one. Now it's got to sound like that person. And yeah, if you're not careful, and there are companies that have that problem where they got... 18 different people doing it, and, it's, and there's no congruency in voice. You will not build a customer relationship that way. Um, and, uh, let's, well, I was going to say something. I'm not going to say it. Um, uh, if you can, try it out on customers and potential customers. I mean, the best people in the world are people who can give you money. And, and the best test is not put 12 people in a focus group room with a glass. You know, the best test is go down to the bar, buy everybody a couple of beers, have them read it, and if somebody says how can I get one of these things? Or can I give you money? Can you bring me one of these things? That's like an honest evaluation of what's going on. Not, I think on page three, it would be better if you said this. See, that's horseshit because they don't know what they're talking about. But if their overall reaction is either, how can I get one of these? That's good. If their overall reaction is, oh, I think this letter is very good. That's, you've done a very nice job here. Now you know you're in trouble. Okay? <laughs> it's just that simple. Yep. Well, there's a pro yeah, if you're going to write copy for different people and you're going to shift from one to the other, yes, it is a challenge. Do I personally have a problem? Not often. Um, uh, you've got, uh, um, if you don't own it, go get Psycho-Cybernetics because uh, there's four or five techniques like clearing the calculator that, that you need to learn. And then that will take a little prep time, at least the first few times you are writing in that voice. Um, where you've got to, you got to have some of them on tape. You got to have books they've written, and it usually, usually, the first few times it takes me about a half an hour. It might take you longer, but you got to like spend time with them. It's kind of like, have you ever, if you're not from the South, have you ever helped hung out with somebody who's really from the South, and pretty soon, y'all talking in a Southern accent too? And it, you, don't even, you, you weren't aware that it happened, but like for a day or two after you've been with them, you're talking Southern, well, you, that's the effect you want. Say, and, the, and the subconscious mind does that. If it's left alone to do it, it does it by accident. So what it does by accident, you can train it to do even better on purpose. Hence, there are people who do that with dialects. You know, they're master, they've trained their mind to pick up a dialect like this. Impressionists are able, you know, Dana Carvey can be around somebody for five minutes 
and do them. Well, they've trained their subconscious mind to do that. What it, it would do a certain amount of it accidentally, and they've just magnified that ability so they can do it on purpose. A, a, a copywriter who moves from one voice to the next has to, has to develop very much the same skill. You're almost an impressionist, and so you may not be able to do them verbally for entertainment purposes, but you can do them on paper. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Kind of along the same lines. If you're doing a joint venture with someone like it, you're going to write an endorsement to my product and send it out to your clients. Should I be writing their pitch letter? Okay, if I'm going to do an endorsement letter for your product and send it out to my clients, who writes the endorsement letter? That's, that's the question, right? Well, if the endorser is actually me or one of us's, probably you can let the endorser write their own letter. You can kind of tell them what you want and they can do it and it's going to be okay. If the endorser is not one of us's, like he's, in Michael's case, he's the head of the National Association of Printers and Lithographers. If we let him write the endorsement letter, it would be something like, you know, I think Mike's course is terrific. Signed, John Smith, executive director of the, you know. So we write it <laughs> and then take it to him. And if he's got, and then you argue over what he wants to change. Um, and, and, and if he's very familiar to his constituency, then this conversation is an issue because it needs to sound like him. So you got to watch your own, like, colloquialisms. Um, the, the endorsement letter better not read like the sales letter from you. Not good. But it still has to sell. It can't be so bland and vanilla that it doesn't excite them to read the report. Uh, I believe we're going to get to that endorsement. I think it's in your book, by the way, a good endorsement letter. Um, and, uh, well, here's... Now, this is a... I'll show you a generic one, even. This is like written so it can be used by one endorser after another, okay? Um, this is from uh, Jim Fleck. Um, uh, this is for, the, for use by heating and air conditioning contractors with their customers to prospects, right? So this is a generic, uh, why is your friend writing a letter to you about a heating and air conditioning? Dear friend of my client, who do you talk to? Okay, this is very ge generic. Now, let's say that we're going to get this sent out by the mayor of Pineville. And he's been mayor for, he's been reelected 18 times. And the mayor of Pineville is pretty well known to everybody in Pineville, right? And he's a character. Uh, he's like, um, what's his name in Arkansas that just died, the Clinton guy with the walking stick? And the, you picture him, okay? Uh, then what we want to do for optimum results is we want to take this generic letter, which is a good one, and we want to go through and tweak it so it sounds like him and throw a reference or two in that are unique to him. Like if he's always walking around with a beagle dog next to him, we want to make sure we say something in there about, you know, my beagle dog likes how the temperature stays the same in the house all the time too. I mean, we want to get the beagle in, you know. So it's minor tweaking. But it's enough that people believe he said it. Okay? But a great way to shortcut it is to have the generic to start with. See, because I could easily, 
I could do the mayor of Pineville just by knowing a few facts about him, taking a look at him, talking to him for, for two or three minutes, noticing he's got the dog with him all the time. I could do him, I could do you, I could do him, I could do him, and I could have four different endorsement letters done in like half an hour if I had this generic one to start with. Now, if I didn't have the generic one to start with, and you said, uh, the mayor of Pineville is willing to endorse Al Schwartz, the heating and air conditioning contractor in Pineville, write an endorsement letter from the mayor of Pineville to all the residents in Pineville about him, and I've got to start from scratch. Could take me all day. Could take you a week. Right? That's why it's important to have this, this base of material from which you write. Because the from scratch stuff is agonizing. Um, uh, and always search for its weaknesses. That's, as you're going through these testing processes, what you're looking for is, is, is where, does it, where does it not click? Where is the rhythm wrong? Where, where, is it, where does it not read right? Et, et cetera. Um, I wanted to show you just a couple quick things, and then we're going to jump back into the exhibits. Um, this is kind of interesting. I meant to show this yesterday. This is... Um, Made this guy a lot of money. It's really pretty clever. Um, this is Greg Godek, and uh, uh, he turned a self-published book into a huge bestseller on the New York Times list, uh, 1,001 Ways to be, be Romantic. And Greg's promotional pieces, he's, uh, this is like a composite uh, tear sheet, not in an attempt to fool anybody, but just in an attempt to get their attention and get him to read it. He's knocked off everything. He's done USA Today. He's done the Wall Street Journal which he's got as the Love Street Journal. But he's done it perfectly. He's matched the type style perfectly. The little draw, you know, the Wall Street Journal does little drawings instead of photographs. He's done that perfectly. Uh, he's knocked off um, are the New York Times on the back. Uh, and he's knocked off the National Enquirer. And he's done them all perfectly. And he did this to, um, to get PR for the books, for his, for his book tour. He had, this is a composite piece, but he, this was a series of four pieces that were sent to radio stations and magazines and newspapers and so forth to promote his tour, one right after the other. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to be paid attention to, particularly because they're going to media. So media people pay attention to media. Uh, very, a, a very effective, effective piece. In today's USA Today, there's one decent direct response ad in the entire paper. Um, oh, maybe you found one I didn't find. Uh, but, it, but it is a headline to add to your head, headline bank. It's a formula headline. A whole new way to. That's, that's the for formula. Oh, there it is. A whole new way to blank, whatever your deal is. You know, a whole new way to uh, attract uh, hair restoration clients. A whole new way to buy men's clothing. A whole new way to hire a magician. A whole new way to, it works for anything. Okay, it's a good headline. It's good words. It catches attention. Um, okay, in your exhibits in the white book, go back there for just a half an hour. I'm going to show you just a few more things before we start with everybody else's stuff. And where we left off yesterday was at the end of the PowerPoint's letters. Um, we went into the letters for the, um, the newsletter control, and we skipped over this page. So this is between PowerPoints and the newsletter letter, the big free letter that we looked at yesterday. We skipped over this page. You're too far. Um, and I wanted to tell you what this is. 
um, yeah, it's page T, um, single T. Um, this is a lazy, 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 meaning rushed, 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 way to turn a direct mail program that shouldn't be a control into a control. Because um, I'm so busy writing everybody else's copy, I don't have time to do mine. So the piece we went through yesterday that is the next page after this one to, to sell the newsletter, that whole package that we went through, if you remember, that was written to a specific list at a specific time. It even makes reference to the next call-in day is on April. So if you, okay, well, we're still using it now in October. And it says the next call-in day is April. Uh, the, the, the way I cleaned it up in five minutes, because I was in a hurry, is with this lift note. And so this lift note now goes to, like, anybody who's ever bought anything. Uh, one way or another, you've expressed some interest in my marketing newsletter. Enclosed, attached, is my best ever offer. A special promotion. I'm going to take the word, we need to take the word current out on this, Carla. Um, change current to a 1998 uh, special promotion uh, for membership in my inner circle. This special offer was take out recently. Uh, mailed. This is good. I'm going to be able to get this piece fixed <laughs> at uh, your expense. Uh, this, uh, maybe we'll stay on my exhibits for a little while longer. Uh, this, uh, this, this special offer was, take out the word, recently mailed to a select list of past seminar attendees and customers, and it was limited to the first 500 to respond, because it says that. However, I'd like to extend this very same preferred customer offer to you. Uh, uh, note the line all the way out the bottom in parentheses. You may ignore everything said in the letter about other deadlines or the 500 limit. This is your special offer expire date, and then there's a date there for them up above stamped in red. So I haven't even gone back, and this piece would be easy to go through and fix the whole piece, but it would take like an hour, and I ain't got it. So I did this in five minutes, and it's working just fine. Um, it show, amongst other things, it shows you what you can get away with with a good house list. Um, uh, you, you might not get away with it with a cold list, but you can get away with, it with, your, with a house list that already has a relationship with you. Uh, next uh, thing real quick, if you then skip over that piece that we went over, all about the newsletter, skip over all the lead generation stuff we looked at, and uh, go to lift notes, which begins with UUU. Part of, it's, part of what's important about this good lift note is it doesn't matter whether they actually read it at the end, like it's designed to be read, or if they go and read it before they read anything else. doesn't make any difference. It works both ways. It's a simple endorsement letter. Uh, the PS is extremely important. Uh, has to be said, should not be ignored. Uh, I'm not being paid to write this note. Um, uh, I'll remember, what are they going to think that's going to invalidate? What's their skepticism? Got to prove every claim, every fact, every assertion. Uh, and then the only other thing that I would ask, uh, Michael, type, the typeface used for this, was it, not, I hope, was it different than everything used for the rest of the package? Yeah, uh, the rest of the Okay, all right. Because um, that, be, that would be a real mistake. Uh, very simple little device, but a good device. Yep. Then, if you're smart, you'll disclose it. Uh, if they're being paid to endorse, 
First of all, if you're a big national marketer, which he's not, then there's legal issues about that. But setting aside the legal issues, it's better not to have, years ago, the only job I ever had, I sold books for a company called Price Turn Sloan for a year, and one of our books was The Liar's Memory Diary. And it was a book designed for liars to keep track of who they told to what. <laughs> yeah. um, if you look carefully, if, if you look carefully at, at, the, at, at the shelves behind Clinton the next time he does a... Uh, um, the, uh, it's, it's better not to... Um, it's better not to... Um, it's better not to have to tote one of those around. Um, so uh, it, when, whenever possible, it, it, although it, may, it does make the marketing job more difficult to tell the truth, the, the, lo the long haul position is it's better to do so when you can. And so, uh, for example, the best example of this I can give you right off the top of my head is uh, Physicians Mutual Insurance, one of the largest direct mailers maybe in the country. Uh, they almost always use some kind of a lift note from our link, link letter. Art owns about 20% of the stock in that company. Uh, in case you didn't know it, Art is one very wealthy fellow. Um, and so if you read the lift note, it says something like, it's a version of the Victor Kayam deal. The lift note says something like, uh, um, I, I was so convinced of the value of this company's service to seniors uh, that I accepted a position on a board of directors and have an interest in the company. Now I want to tell you, okay, you're better off figuring out a way to do that than you are hiding it. Um, it, it but ideally, you don't want to compensate them uh, so that you don't have to deal with any of this. You want it the other way. And you should have champions who will do it for you without being compensated. If you don't, you've got a different problem altogether than the ones we're talking about here. You know, somebody will say to me, how do, you get, uh, how do you get good testimonials? I don't have any good testimonials. Well, you know, the starting point is if you've got any kind of volume of business at all, you should be getting some good ones without having to ask for them or you've got other problems. I mean, they should be coming to you, you know. Um, we had a situation this morning. I, TJ came up and essentially apologized for last night not telling you guys how much money I'd made him and spending more time on that and less time on what he did. And no apology necessary, but that's the kind of customer you want. And that's the kind of customer you should have if you're doing a good job. Uh, next thing in your book, um, I was good at, this is like a, I'm collecting research data. I was dying to use this. And uh, Carla talked me out of it. I bet. Um, uh, some of, many of you will have seen these, some of you will have not. None of you will admit it, but uh, uh, except Steve, you'll probably, oh yeah, you'll admit it. Um, uh, virtually all direct mail in the adult business comes in a sealed envelope by law because they have to do a thing to protect minors. Um, and so every envelope maybe has a lift note and that's it. And then there's some kind of sealed envelope in it. You, some of them have stop signs, et cetera. Essentially, says the same thing. Don't open it unless you're of a certain age and if you're easily offended, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think it's striking. So I, want, I was going to use it, I think, actually, to sell this seminar, if I'm not mistaken. But, <laughs> uh, but I'm dying to use it for something, you know? Uh, I, now, I want to take sexually oriented out and, you know, put 
adult material and clothes. If you're easily offended, do not open, you know, that sort of a theme, and keep the picture. Now, here's the question. First of all, how many are offended? I got it from you. Um, um, I found it on the floor of your car. You know, you got all this stuff. Um, um, how many? Uh, how many think like the right application? It's clever and it would grab attention, and you would use it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got it, Joe. This is, you know. Good point. If you didn't know who it was from, it might go in the garbage. Um, I was <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. It would end up in the garbage. Okay, yeah. Well, that, by the way, nobody's hand went up. I just asked that question. Huh? You're offended. Well, I think it would offend especially liberated. Very much. But, but. So it would depend on your market. Okay. Well, let's just keep it to me. So you get the newsletter, and in the middle of the no BS newsletter, you would just throw it away. You would not open it and read it. Okay. Huh? You would open it and read it. Well, let's, it's in the middle of my newsletter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody stole them all. I'm out of gifts. I'm out of gifts. Any, anybody else, real quick? Mark your face. Any, anybody, anybody, anybody who would use it, who immediately thinks of a way they would use it? Pardon? <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a good idea to use to book birthday parties. All right, okay. Um, yeah, but that's too obvious. See, I mean, that. Uh, see, the, what would you say Well, I hadn't thought that far. I mean, you could do, you know, I mean, you could do the obvious, you know, now that I've got your attention, you know, like the old, the ad that ran in Wall Street Journal for, for years and years and years that just had sex at the top of it, and the ad had nothing to do with sex, and then the line is, now that I have your attention, let me talk to you, I think it was some kind of insurance ad, actually. Uh, I, I mean, you could do that. Um, very good. Yep. Yeah. I thought I thought I would use this very revealing picture uh, to attract your attention for several reasons. Number one, because I'm going to reveal some amazing secrets. Underline, reveal, put reveal, and pick. Uh, I'm going to strip away the. I mean, the, yep.
Agree. I'll certainly agreed on that point. Yeah. If, if they. Yeah. Yeah. How about said to the husbands? You know, about your wife. Now, if the wife saw that envelope in that context, that baby's that baby's going to the trash unopened. That's that's not good. All right. What the hell? Let's move on. Okay. Uh, you may yet see this. Uh, okay, your, uh, your uh, next exhibit, very quickly, is uh, one of Michael's letters uh, that Michael and I have done for his business. Uh, this, is, this is an example of the, it's, a, it's sort of a last resort step in a sequence, and it's to, it, this is an example of let them pay you when they feel like paying you. Um, um, the, the paragraph in the middle is the offer. Um, uh, the most important thing about this I would point out to you is starts with, with the head, head, headline. Uh, there's no kidding around about who they are and why we're writing to them. Uh, no need to be, you know, you haven't bought. I mean, that's the deal. Um, and the offer's right up top, so I'll take the extraordinary step of letting you pay only after you've put profit in your bank account. Um, the offer's in the middle. Um, and uh, obviously, as we said, it's a case where we don't really care if we ever get the other half. Um, your next uh, exhibit should be Michael's endorsement letter, which we were just talking about endorsement letters. Uh, this is a lift note for the marketing system that's sold to printers that goes out on top of, Mike, does it go with letter number one? It goes with the first report. Um, as you can see, it has a headline, um, yeah, stuns even this NAPL veteran. Um, in case they don't know who he is, we've reminded him in both the pre-head and the first paragraph, as NAPL's executive vice president. Uh, personal endorsement, obviously, is bold-faced and underlined. Um, and uh, it, it, its job is to get them to read the report. So the last paragraph, the clause, the pitch is, give your careful consideration of the enclosed report. Uh, it, it could improve your entire experience of doing business. I urge you to find a quiet private place, barricade the door, have your calls held, and uh, read it. Uh, lift note. Yep. No. Oh, well, yes and no. Uh, NAPL is separately selling the, the same system and they will be getting pitch mailings. Um, yes or no? I ignored it for that reason. Um, you could do it. There's a way you could word it and be okay. It's an interesting question. Michael, we should discuss it. Well, whether we add to this, you know, I'm not being paid to do this in some way, shape, or form whether this thing should say I'm not being paid, you know. There's a little bit of confusion here because NAPL is also selling the same product and so they do have a financial interest. I'd have to think that through, David, but it's a good point. Uh, it's something that ought to be thought about. Uh, next exhibit uh, you have is some of the uh, go-by-the-inch stuff. And uh, let me show you something first that you don't have. This is, uh, and Ron, is Ron in the room? LeGrand, yeah. You sent me this stuff way too late, Chief, to do much with it, like two days before the seminar. Okay. Um, uh, I believe this is part, this is one of your follow-up packages to your TV leads, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Huh? 
Uh, Don, is this to go to TV leads? Yeah, all of Okay. Then, then I'm going to give you something real valuable here, guys, so you get this, you get your money's worth. First of all, uh, everybody, uh, he's using a grabber, as you can see, and the headline is, you know, Don Campbell has not knocked himself out here being original, um, which is good. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> they laughed when I told them, and, but until I showed them my results, okay? Now, here... Here's, here's, here's the big it, and I did mention it yesterday. But if you look at your U.S. gold letter, um, which, which went to TV leads, this one is a self-mailer, by the way, if you can imagine this. Um, but the most important thing is the picture. And the picture is, it, we actually stripped it off the video, because uh, we didn't have brains to take it with a still camera the day we shot the show. Um, so it was stripped off the video and turned into a still. But that is a picture of them sitting on the set. You can't see it in this Xerox, but you see that, uh, that sign, the, that thing is the Golden Opportunity Show, and it's part of the set. And the big as seen on, that's what they saw on TV. When we did envelope mail in follow-up to these people, we used the same photo on the back of the envelope, full size so that they immediately identified with what they had seen on television. Um, this letter misses that and ought to have it. Um, the, the, the TV lead should be treated to a quick identification with having seen television. Yeah, Ron? Okay, um, so you're off the hook. But if you're going to send it to TV, if you're going to send it to TV, get it on the envelope. Uh, you, could leave, you could leave your letter the way it is, for example. Here's some other stuff you could do. You could leave the letter the way it is, but you could create a little full-color full picture of Ron and the midgets from TV, from the TV show, that gets stapled on as a grabber or just thrown in loose with as seen on TV. But you certainly would use it on the envelope and you'd want it early. You'd want them seeing it so that they get it. Okay? Uh, this letter um, made, a, this letter brought in about $20 million in about an 18 month period. Um, and uh, doing a lot of stuff wrong because of a recalitrant client for example, for the most part, it was sent as a self-mailer on newsprint bulk rate. Um, as you might imagine, I didn't like this. The entire letter is typeset in Helvetica, um, which I think is an enormous mistake. Um, having said all of that, um, this letter worked like gangbusters. And what that is a testament to is, is the pitch itself. And so at your leisure, study the pitch. Uh, this pitch worked in print, it worked on television, it worked in follow-up to TV. Um, you'll find some very reliable things. For example, I use a Q&A format for almost half of the piece. Um, but this pitch itself is so good. People immediately understand it. 
the, the core thing of turn $300 into $6,000, whatever the numbers are. I don't remember the numbers, but they're in here. Uh, they got this. And when you can have a pitch that you can summarize in three or four sentences or in broadcast in 20 to 30 seconds, and people understand it instantly, and it's exciting to them instantly, it's hard to mess up the marketing. Uh, so don't neglect having a great pitch. Uh, the, next, uh, the next go by the inch thing that you'll see is a follow-up letter, which was done much better. Um, and it has a headline on it that says, uh, why would a wealthy man offer to set you up in business for just $99? That's not an original headline, by the way. That's in the, I think it's in the Schwab book. I think it's one of the hundred, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it is, it's formulaic. If you turn it into fill in the blank, what is it fill, fill in the blank? Good, yeah, yeah. Why would a blank offer to blank for just blank? Now you can use it for anything. Um, this piece went enveloped, fortunately. Same headline for the teaser copy, as you'll see in your slide. Little color brochure with it, and um, this is a step-down sale, as you'll tell when you read it. Um, if you look at your if if you look at your second page and your PSs, basically this is after every attempt was made to get them to buy the three hundred ninety-nine dollar deal and they wouldn't. This offers them a ninety-nine dollar little box. Uh, which then they can loop back up and buy the big box and get full credit for the money they spent for the little box, thereby making the little box free. Uh, fairly reliable strategy, ought to be a last step for a lot of you. Um, uh, the numbers on this, uh, roughly 20% of all the unconverted leads uh, converted with this letter. This thing pulls about a 20, or pulled about a 20% response rate from uh, leads uh, six to 18 months old, um, and 50% of the ones who bought at $99 turned around and bought at either $399 or $599. The price changed during the course of the promotion. Uh, so this is taking uh, dead leads and turning them into, pardon the expression, gold. Um, half of the ones who buy the 99 bump up. Okay? Uh, skip back to XXXX. I uh, want to show you another copy formula. Yeah, it should have been a girl. Yeah. Well, there wasn't a lot of advanced planning. That, you know. um, you'll find a letter that looks like this. Um, first of all, there, there's a side interesting thing about this. Take a look at the first paragraph. It says, as you can see from the envelope that this letter came in, I am almost certain I contacted you about this once before. I'm somewhat at a loss as to why you never got back to me. Now, you'll notice that paragraph is fairly formulaic. That's, it's on my click list. That's the equivalent of the frankly I'm puzzled. Okay, everybody recognize it? Now, in this case, there never was a first letter. No. I just happen to know the, of the deal. There is no first letter. This is the first letter. Um, and in testing, what they found, which can often occur, is that this works better as the first letter than any first letter. Uh, 
because you immediately achieve some level of guilt and, oh, geez, what did I miss out on? Uh, so they pay attention to it, just as if they had got the first letter and hadn't responded to it. But what's more important about this is this, this is another little reliable copy formula that is called the dying man's secrets rescued from the grave. And um, this reoccurs over and over and over again. If you have the old Collier book, you will find it in the Bob Collier le letter book, however ancient that is. Uh, it's, many people have an opportunity to use it. The basic theme in this letter is, and, and the basic theme of this, whoever tells it, and I'm going to show you another example very quickly that is very current, um, is that the writer of the letter somehow sat on a park bench with, uh, stopped and helped a guy with a broken down Rolls Royce, uh, bumbled, uh, bumbled into an old guy um, on his yacht, wherever he bumbled into this person, this person almost with his dying breaths decided to share his success secrets before he passed on. Or the other variation is the one that Tim showed you last night of finding the paintings in the attic. That's, that's this. That's finding the dead guy's secrets. And it could be his secrets to having lived to be 102. It could be his secrets to making money betting on the horses. It could be his secrets to, uh, to anything. Uh, yep. A absolutely none. This is, this is called poetic license. Okay? Uh, now, if you jump over to um, A times 5, this is a Ken Roberts letter. And many of you should know Ken. Um, and um, if you'll take a look at this letter, it is the exact same story. It is used in a very different business, but it is the exact same story. Hello, my name is Ken Roberts, and I'm a professional lawyer. Him, stock picking method that was discovered long ago by a man who became a millionaire. His name was Ted Warren. He passed away several years ago, and if certain powers had their way, his stock market discovery would have died with him. Conspiracy theory. But luckily, I rescued it from oblivion, and I am dedicated to sharing it with a few privileged investors. And the letter goes on to tell the same, that the official... The inside um, uh, identity for this, by the way, you'll sometimes find it referred to in copywriting books as a blackie story, because uh, the first person to use it sold a gambling system and talked about a guy named Blackie. Yeah. At <laughs> If you use this technique, never. <laughs> uh, once you tell this story, you got to stick to it, man. That guy on the park bench really existed. No, but, what, but the way those things are done is by finding, here's how it's done, here's how that statistic is true. Now we're ta not talking about the story, now you're talking about the specific claim, right? Exactly. Here's how, when the regulatory guys come, <laughs> here's what they're going to find. No, they're going to find truth. In, in order to make this, somewhere he had a streak where he did pick 42 in a row. Now he may have had 400 on which he lost his butt, but somewhere in the middle of the 400 were 42 that he did hit. 
and he did get them in consecutive order. Or he got them all in the same month. See, it doesn't say, I'd have to go look at all the copy in the letter to see how he supports the claim. It, doesn't, it could have been all in the same month. And then later, somehow, it can be disclosed that during that month, he might have had another 300. When you watch the handicapping guys, like if you, if you see Jim Feist show on Saturday and Sunday mornings where they have the foot, football touts, you know, and this guy will have gone seven for eight, right? Well, that might have been the eight games, the eight morning games, or the eight Northwest Conference games, or eight games where teams had names that began with V. The trick, but that day, he lost 36 games and he went 12 grand in a hole. Okay? They find the streak. Yeah. In the tout business, uh, I have a friend in Dallas, his name's Joe Atkins, who's been in business for years and years and years. There is now a company that, for all these guys in the tout business, carefully has a computer program that monitors all their selections to find the streaks they can brag about. And all this company does every week is analyze everything, all, this, all their picks, everything these guys have done to try and find some streak that can be quoted where they were 7 for 8, 12 for 14, where they had 80%, where they were, okay? Um, so th that claim has to be supportable. Now, the story is crap, okay? The, in his case, there might have been a guy named Ted Warren, but believe me, it's an embellished story. The next thing you'll see, this is an ad from Investors Business Daily, currently running. Very sophisticated audience, by the way. Should anybody be about to tell me this stuff only works on dummies that read the National Enquirer and see aliens land in their yard in Iowa? This, this, this is Investors Business Daily, and it's the same fundamental pitch. 79-year-old master trader calls and quits and finally agrees to reveal the one commodity strength. William Granmill swore he would keep it under wraps forever. Um, uh, he's on the verge of death. Is in here somewhere and has decided to reveal it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same basic story. Yeah, somebody's got a hand up. Yeah. Yeah, well, so the truth of this deal is probably, you're exactly right. He probably found it in a used bookstore, saw an expired copyright tracked down the family and said, here's something I can sell, and made a deal. Yeah. And so there's a germ of truth in there somewhere, but you know, meeting Ted on the park bench and feeding pigeons together is probably a slight embellishment. <laughs> yeah. The significance is the first two I showed you with the letterhead on it were the go-by-the-inch things, and the idiot client insisted on having his letterhead on everything. You know? Um, so there is no other significance. Uh, okay, let's move on to everybody else's stuff. So go to your gold book. Um, and who is... Um, Alan's not here, so who's here for the Alan stuff, for the Alan Jack stuff? Is that, is that you? You write that stuff. Wonderful. Then, uh, you, then you come up here in case I need to ask you something. This is the weakest bladder group I've ever seen in my entire... I mean, jeez. Uh, huh? 
Yeah, give him a mic. Um, Carl and I were talking about this last night. I've never seen a group like this in my life. These people go to the bathroom more than anybody I've ever been around. You know? I mean, if I was paying a thousand bucks to be in a seminar, I'd have me a bottle and a tube, man. I, I mean, um, he on? Okay. Hello? If you look at your very, don't talk until I ask you. Um, if you look at your very first thing in your exhibit book, you will find uh, sort of an advertorial format ad. Um, it is written newsy. Um, the, the expert is quoted in the first sentence, people across Alberta have an amazing opportunity, it reveals Tim Johnson. Uh, so it's newsy pretty much until it gets down to the bottom half of the second column where it actually makes the uh, pitch for the seminar. Uh, um, you gave me some note. Tell me a little bit about how this works. Are you still using it? I've just rewritten it for this year. Mike up I've, here. I've just rewritten it for this year and uh, tweaked it a little bit, but it, um, it pulls like gangbusters. Um, what we do is we run it once like this in the middle of the paper, and uh, once in the stock pages, there's a block in the middle of the stock pages you can buy, and that pulls really well. And then the, during the day of the event, we buy the front page of the business section, the bottom banner, and stretch it out. Um, just to get the full coverage. And uh, what are you getting in numbers? Well, it's a, it's a lead generator, but we're still making money on the front end. So we're um, cost thirty five hundred, um, and our income's forty four, forty five. So you're plus on the front end, and then you're selling them in the seminar. That's right. Okay. This is this is the top of our funnel. Okay. Anybody? Yes, Ron. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm going to try and stick to copy because um, I'm time pressed. But thanks, Ron. Um, doesn't matter what he's selling. Anyway, um, that's the, that's the top of the funnel. Um, let's take a look at this letter, um, and here you will note. Uh, take a look at the first two paragraphs, and somebody identify where this came from. It's the Wall Street Journal letter. That's correct. This is the. If you, if you want to see a great example of how to take the two-man letter and uh, swipe it and use it, here it is. This is the two-man letter um, uh, right, right from the Wall Street Journal piece. I assume that is where you got it. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, this thing is how long in its entirety? Two pages. Um, That's it. And, um, and a yellow um, response form. Yeah. And this is sent to... Um, dead, dead list. Like to dead prospects. Real dead. And this particular time you mailed it, 498 mailed, 23 responses, 2,500 bucks in sales, so you're at about four to one on, on uh, gross. Are you still use, using it as a control? Yes, we are, okay. on, our, on our dead list. Wonderful. Um, if you will look at, go a few pages over. Okay, yes. question for him. Why, why did you opt to not they, they've, been hit, they've been hit so often with our headline letters, I thought I'd try something different. And also modeling the Wall Street Journal. They did the Wall Street Journal head, um, letterhead right on the top. Did this have a good response then? Oh, yeah, $2,500 out of a dead list of 500 people. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, tell me people who didn't, didn't buy, they still responded, and they moved from the dead list to the live list again and then bought later down the road. 
Um, tell me about this lawyer. That's our follow-up, our letter number two for a program that we offer. It's a four-week training program. And uh, we've had a couple of people who have gone through that program and made $500,000, $600,000. And uh, so we were able to talk to them and uh, get them the uh, okay to use their story. Uh, let me tell you some quick and dirty things to do to this letter if you were trying to beat the con con control. Uh, and in many cases, this, this will work. I just happened to could have pointed out on this one. See all the bullet points that have the little bullets in front of them? The more you got, in many cases, the better off you are numbering them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, instead of little dots. Um, a, it makes it easier for the people to follow it, and B, it creates value. Uh, it's a cheap and dirty trick. Um, you could also have box, that, that's where you could play cosmetic games. You could box out the bullet points, you could put a screen behind them, uh, you could have put them in a dramatically different type style. Um, when we, you, we tested the box and the, the box? response was lower. Lower, okay. Yeah. Uh, did you test screen? No. Different type style? We do that with testimonials so people have to squint. Okay. Uh, your number up in the top headline, when it's a big number, when it's a number that people make, always put the zeros. If you want to leave them off, do it with a number they pay. Okay. But if it's a number they make, always put the zeros. Point zero zero? Yeah. Yeah. Makes the number bigger. Um, uh, and uh, what else was I going to ask you about this letter? Um, eh, let's go to the Ron letter, I think, next. If you, if you look at your Ron letter when they brought our friend Ron up to Canada to do a seminar, um, again, we have good specifics in the headline. We have a dollar number, we have a month's number, we have a guarantee in the headline. Again, put the zero zeros after that one because it's money that comes to them. Um, we, we, set, we mail this expecting zero sales. This is just a setup for the next three letters. Okay. We and get sales, but we don't expect them. Um, they are using, as he said, for their testimonials, their screening behind the box. Um, both calls attention to it and actually maybe makes them have to squint a little bit to read it. Uh, there is a slew of bullet points here. So this is a wonderful place. I lost my slide with them on it, but this is a wonderful place to do, here it is, to do numbering uh, rather than dots, to group them. Uh, so let's say that they're I didn't study it enough to know it, but let's say there were six bullet points in here about what to do if you don't have any money. Uh, you might want to group all those in one place tight, has item five, six, seven, and eight, and put a subhead above it. Here's what to do if you think you don't have enough money to succeed in this business. Then you want to find all the ones that have to do with not having enough time, and that becomes number 11, 12, and 13, and gets a subhead above it, Here's proof you could succeed even if you think you don't have any time. Um, so you begin to use them to respond to questions and objections. When you have a lot of bullet points, you want to think about how you might organize them uh, to give them more impact and make it easier uh, for people to deal with them. If you go to 
Yep. Yeah. Um, we usually do, do but um, most of these testimonials were American, and so we just pulled the pulled the city off because they'll say, "Oh, it doesn't work in Canada." Yeah. That's ideally, the I, question about testimonials. Ideally, the more specificity, the better. The less specificity, the less believable they are. So you want full names, never John H. And if you do John H., then you've got to explain it somewhere. Uh, we've, in order to protect the confidentiality, okay? Uh, but ideally, you want full names, uh, cities and states. Uh, if you can't do cities and states, but you can do states, you do states. In this case, he had a real good reason for not doing it. Um, in many cases, you want something else about them. Uh, in money-making opportunity stuff, a great thing to do is occupations. So you got an engineer, you got an architect, you got a car mechanic, you got a, uh, a, 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 why do that? Because somebody can find somebody to identify with. If you got enough diversity, uh, or the, the place to learn about all this is watch the good multi-level companies and what they do because they have a very difficult recruiting job and almost all of them, whenever they show pictures of all their stars, will identify occupation or former occupation. If you're selling uh, health products and you happen to have some doctors and registered nurses and that's that sort of thing as customers, you want to identify them uh, because that builds their credibility. Um, in some cases you might want to do ages, in some cases you might want to do uh, so just uh, hobbies. I mean, it just depends on what you do. But the more specificity, the better with testimonials. Yeah, all the, yeah. It also makes them more real. Yeah, it makes them believe, yeah, like real people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an eavesdrop line. We talked about that last night. It is certainly one way to use the recorded message is for people to be able to call in to a separate number uh, and hear testimonials uh, in their own voices. Um, useful tool. Uh, will not always pay its own way, but often will pay its own way. Uh, yep. It was offered about uh, a year and a half previous, maybe two years. Yeah, you got to bring them back into the same funnel. Yeah, we're just it's, we're we're considering them that they're new prospects, just dumping them back in the top of the funnel. Yeah, once they're old, you can't assume they memorized the sales pitch, you know. So you got to you either got to duplicate the same report or you got to do a whole big new one from scratch. But you got to bring them back into the same sales process that you use all the time. We had also updated the free report, so. Yep. Yeah, uh, here's what I'm going to tell you about that. Uh, well, the question was, another copywriter advocates putting the testimonials phone numbers in, of course, with their permission, uh, on the theory, or in this particular incident, the experience, that hardly anybody calls them. Um, here's one of the downsides with this less than brilliant recommendation. Um, it's, you see, this, this is the problem with dealing with people with very limited experience, um, is what happens once does not necessarily happen if you repeat it ten times in ten different environments. 
you know, so we're into the because sharks don't get cancer, we should eat shark and we won't get cancer, you know, that kind of thinking. Um, the problem with this is, is that what do you do if you've dropped 10,000 pieces and they are getting a lot of calls? How do you undo the mess? Now that, I know that one and I'm happy to take it in a second if, if you want to. So now you've got 10,000 pieces out there. And uh, Barb and Mary, from 7 o'clock at night until 10 o'clock at night, are getting one call after another. And they will. And they will in many cases. Next problem, well, see, he had this incident where it didn't happen. And, and that's okay, but it's an isolated incident. Then the next problem you got is, what happens if a few of your testimonials, from the time that they were good testimonials, yeah, you got this, <laughs> until the time you've dropped your mail, aren't good testimonials anymore? because not everybody stays in love with you. Same. So now you have somebody getting calls who is aggravated and says, nah, he's a son of a bitch and he stole my money and he, he, this is not good. Um, uh, this, this can depress response. Um, um, and I could name another 12 problems now, there's ways to handle the sudden flood of calls. You can redirect them to a recording for the person in order to get the person off the hook. However, now they can't get their call from Aunt Mamie, who's trying to get through, because she gets the recording too. So all the patchwork solutions uh, are just that patchwork so solutions. There's another problem that hardly anybody ever talks about, because as we have ignored it in this seminar, but now I'm going to mention it, we have ignored all the legal issues. Because I, I could do a two-day seminar on the legal issues. It would be a hell of a lot more boring than this is, but, and you wouldn't like it, and nobody would have a good time, but we could do it. Here's the legal issue. What they say is a claim, and you are legally responsible for their claims, but you can't control what they say. So now they call, let's take it out of his arena, let's say it's a health promotion. And they call your customer, who in her written testimony, the written testimonial is clean as a whistle. But now that she's on the phone with the prospect, she's telling them that drinking your glop cured, cured her mama's cancer. Uh, if, if some happy regulatory person is calling everybody to see what they say, you now have a problem. In his case, if they make income claims that are unsupported, if they don't disclaim the typicality of the income claim, all, see, everything they say is now an extension of you. Say the, the precedent law on this, by the way, is multi-level industry. If somebody stands up, if we're doing an opportunity meeting, everybody who stands up and gives testimony, they're, 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 they're considered advertising claims. So if you're at an Herbalife meeting and Mary stands up in the back of the room and says, I eat Herbalife and it cured cancer, that's a corporate advertising claim. And they can be held responsible for it. Now, all the brilliant marketers who come up with these ideas, of course, never talk about this because, number one, most of them don't also run businesses where they sell their own stuff. Much easier to be an advisor than it is to actually do this stuff. Um, secondly, some of them aren't aware of it, and some of them, you know, don't care because they're not going to go to jail. You are. Um, uh, but the odds are they won't visit you when you go. So... <laughs> These kind of things, you know, you got to hear them and then you got to say, okay, that sounds great. Now let's think about all the ramifications. 
and see if we want to do that. Now, there's ways to do the phone number trick. Uh, let me tell you one, and then maybe it's the same one you're thinking of, and if it's not, then we'll come to you. It, and it, it, it often has to be with high transaction value businesses, where you, maybe you got 50 testimonials, you pick out five, and you make an arrangement with those five people to take calls. And you know you got five sane, happy, who are going to stay happy, you know, people that you have some control over, their phone numbers you publish. Uh, very common in the franchise business. If you get some franchise packets, you'll see a list of 150 franchisees, and then here's 10. Call any one of these 10, and here's their phone numbers. In many cases, those 10 are even being paid to take the calls. They're not commissioned or anything, but they're being paid 20 bucks an hour or 50 bucks an hour or 50 bucks a call or whatever in order to take the calls. And in some cases, it's time-framed and the franchisor put a separate phone in their house or their office just to do this so if they have to do something about it, they can redirect the line because they own the line. The testimonial guy doesn't own the line. So just as I put it in your house, I can take it out of your house. All that stuff has to be thought through in advance. Now, do you have something else? Yeah, they never go live. Exactly. Yeah, they never go live. So when they call the number, see, I don't like this idea. It can work, but I don't like it because you're disappointing somebody. But now when they call the testimonial number, they never get the testimonial. They get a recording in that testimonial person's voice who says something like, you know, I'm not here now because I'm at my kid's Little League game, or I'm too busy, you know, we never anticipated the flood of calls that we would get, and so I've set up this special recording in order to tell you that I think Al Schwartz is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I made $512,000 in six minutes, and, uh, and, I, and I lost weight and found the love of my life and all of that, and I think you should go to his seminar, even if you've got to crawl across broken glass to get there. And really, this is all I have to say. So even if you did get through to me, i tell you the same thing I'm telling you now. Thanks for calling. Zap. Okay? That's a strategy. And yes, it can work. It does have a little disappointment factor in it because they were thinking they were going to get to ask questions, and they don't. The real answer to all this stuff is to test it. Yep? Is there Yeah, they can find them, but now you've diminished the likelihood of people doing that, and that's why sometimes people only do states. Yep? Well, in niche markets, it's often very easy, too. You say they'll look for it. In many niche markets, there's a directory. You know, everybody belongs to an association. See, so it's going to happen in niche markets no matter what you do. You know, when we market to the National Speakers Association, for example, you know, there's only 4,000 of them, and they're all in a directory. So if I use, I've got to be real careful who I use as a testimonial because, by God, yeah, because they are going to get calls. Now, fortunately has in this incident with Brian, they don't really get all that many. In fact, like in the NSA case, it's surprising to me it's not worse than it is. Uh, the last time we dropped a big mailing and like Brooks got 10, 12 calls. But think about that. That's it's a busy guy. He's got 12 people calling him. They'll go keep him on the phone for five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes. 
They're going to leave messages in his voicemail. He's going to play phone tag, call him back, thinking that this is some kind of deal. We're going to do business. And then when he finally tracks him down and he's in a hotel in Tupelo, tired at 8 o'clock at night and gets him on the phone, they want to ask him questions about Kennedy. You know, it's asking a lot. So like Michael said, when you're in a situation like that and you can't control access, the ones you use, by God, you better be real sure, you know, that they're going to be stand-up guys and gals when the time comes. Because they really now are salespeople. Um, so it's an, yep. Uh, you know, what I do, I have an enormous amount of people that would be literally say anything. Yeah. Uh, and I have a lot of people that would be literally say anything. But it cuts it down. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, Well, I'll also tell you, you, here's a little tip. Use the, ones who, use the ones who give you the most money. Your best stand-up customers or clients are the ones who give you the most dough. Uh, if you've got to rely on somebody, those are the ones you want to rely on. And Joe's absolutely right. Gift them, comp them. Here, I'll make you happy. Send them brownies. Jesus Christ. Um, okay, got to move on, guys. Um, what did I want to call your attention to here? Uh, take a look at this paragraph. This is a basic value build, apples to oranges. Again, we talked about it yesterday. This is important to do. Um, uh, he's been charging upwards of $2,500 in U.S. funds. Um, uh, this $2,500 price is the street price, um, but of course, as I, said, I refuse to have your tuition the same as just anyone off the street. This is, this, this is a good way to do the value build. You can put this on the click list, whoever's keeping track. This is the I'm going to war for you. Write it down 21. this way. Hmm? I'm going to war for you. Okay, that's... I refuse to have your tuition be the same as just anyone off the street. And then it tells about how he went and sold Ron on discounting this and beat Ron up. Uh, abused, that was a tough sale. Abused him mightily in order to get him to discount this. This comes, how many of you have the book, The Closers? The Closer. Go, uh, uh, that's all? Raise your hands again. Charge everybody's credit card, ship in the book. Done deal. Um, You've you got to have this book. The book is called The Closer. I think it's, what is it, 19 bucks? 20, this month's newsletter, didn't we do something about the article from him or something? This is the best book from hard sell, wrestle them to the ground, take the money out of their pocket kind of selling. Uh, it's an anonymous author. Okay? This, is, uh, this is published by Ben Gay. It's an old book. The story behind the book is a blackie story. The guy, the anonymous person who wrote this book is an old land developer guy who right before he died passed on the secrets to Ben. Da, 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 da. I, I, I have no idea whether there's a germ of truth in it or not. It doesn't matter. 
this book is what you, if you have a sales force, this is, you give this to sales guys who have to like, this is like for people who sell $800 vacuum cleaners in the home, security systems, uh, recreational land where the clubhouse pool and golf course is a drawing, um, timeshares in Costa Rica, you know, that sort, that's what this comes from. And, and everybody ought to read the book. You ought to study the book because it's, uh, yeah, we got them and we stock them or we get them or it's the best book on closing ever written. And this, I'm going to war for you, came out of that business, I believe. The first time I saw it used, um, when I was in high school, we had a recreational, you know, a deal where they buy lots and put vacation homes and stuff. And uh, a, a bunch of the kids, a bunch of the se seniors worked. I never worked there, but a bunch of the se seniors worked there there on weekends. And uh, you go out and you take the tour, you know, and you get your choice of a free radio or a free whatever. So, uh, so you know, I go as a lark. Well, here here's the deal. In short, they ride you around on a golf cart. You know, some people like lots with trees, and some people like a lot with the view of the golf course that's not there yet, and some people like a lot with where the squirrels are and et cetera. The, the trick is to get you to identify that you like a lot. This is, this is like if you're going to buy a house, you know, as soon as you or the, your spouse says, oh, what a wonderful kitchen, you're dead. Well, this is, this, this, you know, this is, the, this is the same, you're now paying list. You know? This is the same deal. Well, as soon as the guy in the golf cart has a button that he pushes, as soon as he's got somebody at a lot that they have just said, oh, I love the view with the squirrels. He hits this button, a light goes on back at headquarters, and the golf cart with the, another sales rep and the phony prospects is dispatched to the site. <laughs> they come squealing up to the site. The sales guy jumps out and runs over to your sales guy and says, Bob and Marge want this lot. And they saw it first. And your sales guy says, no, my guy saw it first. They want this lot. And these guys go to war. And they come this close to duking it out. And when the phony prospect and the sales guy leave in their golf cart, your guy victorious, shreds of clothes hanging, sweat dripping from his brow, sits back down in the golf cart and says, I got it for you. All right? That's where this came from. And this technique works almost every time it's used. It's brilliant copy. It's good copy. It's worth stealing. I don't know where you got it from. Do you know where you got it from? Don't, don't no, remember. Huh, just here, right? Uh, you want to use it. Um, let's see. Take a look at your PSs. Uh, again, we have multiple PSs, not single PSs. How time is it? Jesus Christ. Um, first one restates the guarantee. Second one tells them you can get by with just giving a deposit. The third one is a good testimonial. Uh, the fourth one is really kind of a flip to tease them into buying rain because now they can get this free. Um, uh, uh, tell me your conscious thought in the order in which you put them. Well, I wanted to restate the order. It, it's it's a kind of a long letter, so I just wanted to restate one more time what the offer is in the deadline. And... Um, I use this letter without the um, testimonial or the PPPPS, the rain thing, and it, it pulled great. And then I added the testimonial, it pulled better. And then I thought, well, we're setting up letter two, might as well put this rain thing in. And we sold a, a 
bunch of RAIN memberships directly from this letter without even them knowing what it is. Good. That's like found money. That's like my order form with two things they buy that it's only mentioned here, but it sparks a sale. Now, the other thing, real quick to point out to you, is in both places, it's called Brandy. You almost always get a bump in response if you give people a name to call instead of just a number to call. And they're mad if Brandy's not there. Yeah, well, yeah, but well, that's why when you do, in most companies, when you do, everybody's Brandy. Yeah, you know, un unless it's Harold, and you know, then Harold's got to say, hello. Um, uh, it, it also solves the problem of employee turnover. As soon as you're hired, your name is changed to Brandy. That's the deal. Um, no matter who the hell you are. Okay? Um, but it will give you a little bump in response. People want to know who to ask for when they call, they, you know. There's a whole science to this, by the way. The DMA has a research report on which names outpull other names. Because uh, big companies like Publishers Clearinghouse and Weight Watchers, when I did work with Weight Watchers, they've done a scientific study to determine that in different parts of the country, listen to this, different parts of the country, different names work better. Now, if you stop to think about it, there's logic to it. And, and so, for example, in the heartland of America, in Midwest, what kind of names do you think work best? Huh? Yeah, grandma names. Martha, Mary, Helen, okay? What works best in the East Coast? You gotta scare the living daylights out of them. And you are far and away too soft here to get that job done. Um, I mean, they have got to believe that there is a profound risk of them being killed in there, or from fear and anxiety, their heart stopping on them on the, as they are being wheeled into the operatory on the gurney if they don't have your doohickey. And only if you are willing to go that far uh, do you have a hope of getting this job done. Um, I tell it, it's a, it's a great example, it's a bad story, I tell it from time to time. Um, in, the, um, in the bad old days of the direct sales industry when burglar alarms were sold door to door, what was done typically uh, before the sales team went into a well-to-do neighborhood is uh, for about seven or eight nights in a row prior to the arrival of the sales team, people would, in the dark of night, sneak in and around the houses and leave empty liquor bottles and <laughs> girly magazines and cigar butts and stuff in the bushes. And um, then by the, the time the sales crew arrived, people were prepared to uh, listen to them. Um, and, and, and it's pretty ugly, but I mean, I tell it because if they didn't do that, they couldn't sell burglar alarms. And you can, I can give you a statistical argument that is irrefutable that you should all have a security system. But without the cigar butts and the liquor bottles and, and the porno magazines, uh, everybody would have starved to death in that business. And you, unfortunately, are in that kind of a position. Um, well, actually, one of the things that I thought, I'm still working on the thinking, but one of the things that I thought was that the minute that Dr. Jones tells Bill over here that he's going to have to go in for surgery, whether it's heart surgery or whatever it might be, his anxiety levels just went way the heck up. I think and, that's true. And, and I've promised to take them way the heck down. That's why your second bullet 
Yeah. See, you see, you've got to, you got to completely undermine the trust they have in anybody else. I mean, yeah, that's the direction you've got to go. Uh huh. He's got a well. You've raised two questions. Why would you market these through doctors to get? Um, that would be somewhat like trying to push a rock up the side of a mountain with your nose. Um, uh, but, Thank you. Uh, but, um, but both you and he have identified, see, the even bigger problem here with what he's selling is the timing issue. The t the t well, yeah, this is, you're exactly, oh, she, see, she's right on. This is, this is predictive, and, and, and the only hope you're going to have is not doing lead generation advertising. You are going to have to go to the list arena, and you are going to have to be predictive and assumptive. I mean, by age group and health offers that they have responded to, who is likely to be ill enough that they or someone in their family is going to be heading in for surgery sometime during a, week, you know, a number of months? I mean, you're absolutely, you're going to have to sell this as predictive that sometime, like you sell insurance, sometime in the next 12 months, you or someone in your family, and you're going to have to hit people with a high probability that that is going to happen. Obviously, people with certain diseases uh, have a higher probability than others. Certain ages have a high probability than others, et cetera. And, and if it's going to work, you're going to have to be ahead of the curve. You're not going to be scooping them up with lead gen ads right after the doctor has told them, Bill, no. Bill next Thursday, we're going to cut. You're, you're going to have to be ahead of that curve, which, by the way, in, makes the sales job even tougher. Makes the sales job even tougher. Yep. Oh yeah, there's you're, yeah there's a mountain of scare stuff out there. There's a couple of very good books about how hospitals kill people. There's a guy that does the talk show routine a couple times a year with all kinds of horrible stats. There's an abundant amount of information. Um, uh, I, of the top ten, um, uh, IntelliHealth is the largest uh, web internet provider of uh, health-related information in the country, consulting client of mine. Uh, IntelliHealth.com, 1L and IntelliHealth for some reason, I have n no idea. Um, and um, uh, of the reasons people come to the site, the kind of information they are looking for, yours does not even make the top 10, uh, which is another not very good sign. Uh, yeah. Both good suggestions. Fooling around with news groups on the internet and focusing on post-op. Yep. Oh, you're very right. Good, good copy points. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, first of all, nobody want, you, you don't want this to be new. <laughs> uh, uh, this is something I would kind of like to know was proven. And so new order line implies you got in business yesterday, which I realize you wrote it because you did get in business yesterday. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it, it's not always necessary to tell everything you know. 
and um, uh, order line is bad term too. It's too commercial. It's too uh, businessy. This needs to, to be the I, I don't know. It needs to have a nice name. Okay, good. Yep, yep. Speaking of names, it's got to name the reports up there other than C1. Uh, report, C3 report C1. Yeah, well, I think uh, hopefully that's just his coding number or something. It's I, coding. Yeah, okay. So there is a name. So I know, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, let me tell you something. In the burglar alarm business, the security business, everything you can, I mean, we could be here all day and we, and we wouldn't think of anything they haven't tried, uh, most of which ultimately gets the industry in trouble. And yeah, the strategy that you've just devised, you bet. The postcards, uh, they've, they've gone around and put warning door hangers that look like they're from the police department. Uh, you, 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 with badges on them, you know, warning, crime rate soaring in this neighborhood, lock your doors, bolt your windows. Uh, uh, you know, believe me, that industry, um, uh, some months ago, uh, I think it was either Dallas or Houston, there was a little thing that I saw it on CNN where a bunch of off-duty cops had gotten in trouble because some burglar alarm company was paying them to take the cop cars and drive around the neighborhood all night, you know, and turn the sirens and lights on every once in a while so that people became, you know, became aware that there was a problem. Um, uh, yeah, believe me, I, I mean, that would, be the that would be the equivalent, you know, of him sending out a video of people clutching their heart as they were, you know. I mean, you, you really can go too far. Uh, Tom? Well, you know, he may have something here you may need to reinvent your whole business. And, and so you may be on the right big track. You, this could become a subset of a bigger, better product that addresses uh, a chronic pain. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> See, here's the deal, Chauncey. You're cutting to the bottom line too fast. You're being no, no, I appreciate he's, that. No, he's, no, he's absolutely right. Um, there, sometimes the best advice is, which I gave to, where's to Joe Strunt last night? I gave him on one of his products. I mean, sometimes the best advice is, you know, just shoot the limping horse and go get another one. And um, uh, that may very well be where you'll get with this. Um, you know, in a short period of time. I mean, there have been a few worth, there's some worthwhile suggestions here on what to do to improve your odds here, but fundamentally, you have a severely flawed business idea. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're I, feel, welcome. I feel really good about that. Good. Well, the only thing that I really have to do then is ask, what's up there on the, in the top ten? How do I find out? Oh, uh, that's a very, you, you go to IntelliHealth, go to the website, and they, there's a little list of, uh, you know, all of the inquiries and what people are asking about. The sites are ranked by, the portions of the site are ranked by how many people are coming there to get information. <laughs>
Uh, number one, I can't remember all, number one is anxiety and depression. God, uh, I can fix that. Um, that's good. Uh, you know, I don't remember what number two was. It was something that struck me as rather bizarre, but I, but I don't I can fix that, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you're out of here. Go fix it. All right. All right Thanks, well, gang. You're welcome. IntelliHealth. And Intella is spelled with one L. I do not know why that is. Uh, who is this? Are you coming forward? Come on down. You want this? I, I became attached to it. You probably would want this. Have you done stage hypnosis? That explains that. Um, okay. Hi. Hi. Tell us your story. Well, this is an ad that uh, my partner Mark and I did for a client of ours, so we write this kind of copy. This is not our business. What the guy does is services lab equipment. Um, we acquired a, acquired a list for him, which was garbage, so that part wasn't too responsive. His the known prospects that he had, uh, not marketed to before, but it was his sort of in-house list, pulled at about 18%, dragged him in 59 leads. The first lead out of 59 that we got for him identified over a million dollars worth of business. And the biggest problem we have actually with this whole sequence is that uh, we're on commission with this client and he's only got four quotes out in 90 days. Yeah, well, um, the first Halbert seminar that I spoke at, um, that everybody paid $7,000 a piece to be at, Gary walked in with a, in his shorts and floppies and a big baseball cap on his head that said, clients suck. And, um, you know, this would be a better business if it weren't for the clients. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, then who pays you? Um, it, it's the, you know, it's the consultant's anathema is, um, is that you do your part right and then they muck up everything else. And um, uh, one of the answers I have for you is a consulting business answer, not a copywriting business. Because obviously this campaign is fine. You know, you don't have a campaign problem. And in fact, I'll call your attention to a couple things good, then I'll answer your question. Uh, this is um, smart. Uh, right in the middle of the letter, quick list of uh, who their clients are. Um, because here, what would be the number, this is a free offer, as you know if you looked at the second page of the deal. This is a, this is a free offer. They'll come in and, and do a, um, whatever you guys called it. Service call. The, you, you guys will come in and do a service call. I mean, it's a good offer for free. So now, why wouldn't, assuming this has landed on the desk of a decision maker at a company, that has the kind of equipment that they would service, uh, why wouldn't somebody take them up on the free deal? Too much trouble to have somebody come in. Too big an offer. Not, neither one of those would be the big problem. They might stick them for a bigger amount later or somehow obligated to somebody. That would be, yeah, that would be right up there is, okay, they're going to get in here. Yep, what? They already have somebody they're happy with, which should be answered in the copy. Not the biggest reason, though. Huh? Concern, yeah, concern about the 
perversity of, you know, why are they hunting if they're, but what's the, Terry? Afraid of a sales pitch? That's it's still not what would be the biggie to me. Yeah. Uh, huh? Well, maybe, but the big issue, huh? Yeah, well, that's a big problem with the copy. Is the freeze buried so deep? Uh, but this thing, this thing works. So you know, this thing works. So we, but yeah, I'd move the free up. But what's the big barrier? The big barrier is I'm afraid these. I would be afraid these guys are going to screw up my equipment, right? Well, I'm service it. What if they break it? And so this is really smart. This is important that early on they create uh, credibility that they prove they have clients that are known in the market area. And so that's very smart. Moving free up would help this some more. Now, your client problem, this is not a seminar on how to run a consulting business, but uh, here's the quick tips. Number one is client compliance is often in direct proportion to how much money you charge them. The more you charge them, the more likely you are to have compliance because they got to get the money back. Um, this is why, for example, it's a, and I don't know whether you did, but it's a very bad idea to do contingency only, where you are totally paid on results. Because there will never be any results. No, we get uh, we get paid up front. Okay, but but well, you you care because what you get paid up front is if you're picking your clients right, never compares to what you should get on the back if they don't follow up the process. See, he's exactly. looking at a percentage of millions and millions and millions of dollars if they actually go out there and get some bids out and you you know and follow up. Uh, the second thing is um, in a in a corporate environment like this. You always want to make sure you have one key person who is as committed to the project as you are, who has both not only just responsibility but authority. We just went through this, my platinum members, at the last meeting. I mean, we just disinvited a platinum club member um, uh, and will not renew them for next year uh, for the very simple reason that this comp the company, they're like our, probably our only corporate member, if you will. You can't call any of these guys. I mean, they got corporations, but they're not like real businesses. I mean, these are like the only, <laughs> these are like the only, these are like maybe the only real business in the room, but the people they keep sending to the meetings have no authority to go back and get anything done. So we bounced them out. And so you, you, you need one person who can follow through, who you can ride herd on. Uh, beyond that, all you have is my sympathy. Right. Um, did, you have any, did you have another campaign in here? Um, uh, no, I oh, think that's I know it, what I wanted to show. Because this is pretty, this is done pretty well too. Let me find the second. Let me find your second letter. This is your last opportunity. Um, um, now you mailed this went to the ones who did not respond, obviously, to the first one. Right. When you quoted the response percentage, was it for the whole sequence? Whole sequence. Okay. Yeah. How much came from the first one? How much came from the second one? Seven off the first, I think, and the rest off the the second. Okay. Is that right, Mark? Okay. okay. Um, you, you did something smart here, which helps this letter. Uh, this is, as somebody said, a prevention issue. And, uh, and this could be strengthened, too. You could bump this up. Um, uh, this little list of things that could be screwed up, you can't rely on them to think of the things that could be screwed up. You've got to tell them the things that can be screwed up. Um, um, 
because you, when you're doing preventive stuff, everybody thinks bad things happen only to the other guy. They, they never happen to me. I don't have car wrecks. My house doesn't catch on fire. My computers break, don't break down. Everybody I deal with is Y2K compliant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody thinks it's the other guy. So this is good, but it could be stronger. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing that this missed is a horror show story of somebody who had an opportunity to do this, didn't do it, and then called you back two weeks later begging you to get out there in a hurry because their entire business was on the edge of bankruptcy because, okay, you're missing a horror story. So, yep. No. No, it's not. It's invented, and it could have been explained a little bit better, yeah. It okay. could have been explained a Good bit better. Good point. Watch out for the proprietary terminology. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, options. options. Yeah, I see. What we do here is we, um, we personalize and actually mail merge the fax form, if you can see that, so that there's almost zero labor for the All client to do. All they got to do is do. check the stuff off. It's already pre-filled in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, One, yep. Yes. Interesting. Can yep. be done. Interesting. Yep. Oh, that's interesting, right. huh? That's, that's, interesting. that's an interesting perception, but uh, I mean, he's going to unscrew the cover and dust it off. I mean, well, also, if you are going to do, if you are going to name the number, then make it an odd number. Good, make it a 63-minute service call or a 57-minute service call. Or a, this implies that you got this down to a science. And we're busy. Yeah, the round yeah. number sounds like about, which right. which could mean four days. Right. Oh, yeah, very good, very good, yeah, there you yeah. go, very good, very good. Build value into the service call with the, the yeah, oh, very good. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, and there's all kinds of that information mm -hmm. out there, for sure, okay. definitely. Michael? Okay. Okay, right, so, you yeah. can, so you can actually bonus the free service call. The other thing is, does the, does the guy who does a service call actually now tr turn around and try and sell them? No. He comes and goes, and the sales process is done separately. Uh, he comes, he services, he inventories the equipment, and tells them he will quote them. Then he goes away, he faxes over a quote or delivers a quote, whatever he does. Okay, well, now, then they could even go so far as to say things like, absolutely no selling of any kind will take place during these 64 minutes. No one will attempt to sell, the version of no salesman will call. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think they actually do have so a you, sort of a checklist, yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah. So you, now you can promise that and you can hide the quote. The quote right. now becomes a hidden but, part but of the... Like, do you mess with this if it's getting 18%? Yeah, you test yeah. against this. Yeah. You test yeah. against this. Yeah, because 18% for a free offer, I mean, it's good. And certainly the transaction value behind it is good. Yeah. But, but I would think you could be in the 35 or 40% range if you do everything right. Should be, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yep. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.